Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm your co-host, Seth Macy. And I'm your co-host, Aaron Manis. What are we doing on the show? If this is your first time listening, Aaron, what do we talk about? We blend photography and we blend mindset, right? So that we can achieve our optimal uh, outcomes in photography, whether that's as a hobbyist or as a professional, I guess so that we can reach our full creative potential more or less. Am I, am I missing anything? Am I leaving anything out? No, we talk through our experience, uh, mistakes that we have made, wins that we have gained, uh, talk to many guests. That's pretty much the gist of the show. We had a great guest today, didn't we? Fourth time on the show, Brooke Little Bear. What did you think of today's episode? Quickly, before we get into it. I'm a big fan of Brooke. Uh, she was one of the, I think, pioneers of in my just journey in terms of looking at wildlife photographers, uh, just completely blown mm -hmm. away in the beginning. Uh, she was very encouraging of, of my photography as well. So that really got me going. So I have a special place in my heart for Brooke. She's just always so well-spoken, uh, lots of insight, lots of vulnerability, the ability mm -hmm. to share and, and, and be real and be who she is. Uh, I always find impressive and, um, just captivating. So that's what I got from it. Yeah, an open book, very authentic, which sees what you get. And I think that's, you know, partly why, um, you know, she's so likable and why her career is where it's at. So let's not talk anymore about it. Let's get into it. First, a word from the sponsor and then right into the episode. Hey, TBM listeners, before we get into today's episode, we want to take a moment to mention the sponsor of today's episode, and that's Whitewall. If you want to turn your shots into true masterpieces, consider Whitewall for your photo printing needs. When you print your photos with Whitewall, you're guaranteed top-notch printing that's entirely focused on craftsmanship, innovation, and quality. They've got the credit to back it up too as five-time winners of the TIPA Best Photo Lab in the world, so you know that you're getting a really, really good product. When it comes to printing, Whitewall obsesses over every detail and offers the widest range of premium papers and diverse substrates like aluminum, acrylic, and more. Plus, they even offer custom framing to make your work really shine. What's even more impressive to me is their ability to deliver your pieces worldwide in just nine days. That's right, nine days. So if you want to have epic looking photo prints delivered fast, print with Whitewall. Enjoy an extra 15% off as a listener of the show when you insert the code TPM15 at checkout. So head to the link in the episode description to start printing your work with Whitewall today. Seth. Aaron. Do I do the same thing? Yeah, do it. Brooke. Isn't that nice. best? That is. It's fun. It's we fun. do we need the clap for ourselves. We need the clap thing. We need to get like a bear skull for you. Yeah, what a great idea. I would have brought mine had yeah. I known. So creative. Yeah. I should spend more time on social media, but I don't. So <laughs> you, you do, Brooke. You do. How's your social media been going? Strategy? Presence? Um, what do you even call it at this point? Is How much of a role is it playing in your career at this stage? Um... I don't know. It depends. What career are we talking about? I've got like seven right okay. now. Okay, Name them all. <laughs> and welcome back to the show. Thanks for yeah, coming. Yeah, it's good to be back. I think this is the fourth time. It's exactly the fourth right. time. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I look forward to a hundred more. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> social media, my career. What do I do? Who am I? Um, so one of my gigs right now that I spend about half the year doing is my bear guiding stuff. Um, okay. For the most part with that, social media doesn't got a thing to do with like my success um, because when I'm working as just like a day guide, like a bear guide who's there specializing in keeping people safe from brown bears, I'm working for a 
different outfitters. So I'm just kind of like working for a lodge specifically. Um, so they bring in the clients. I don't have anything to do with, you know, what their scheduling looks like, how many clients I get per day or even per summer. Um, it's a really reputable lodge. They've been in operation for a long time. So this summer, you know, we're booked out till the end of the season. Same goes for next summer and then onwards from there. So social media has got nothing to do with that career. So, you know, in that regard, it doesn't matter. But over the last few months, um, me and my friends, Arthur, John, and Tiffany, we have been pushing our own little guide operation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're not doing bear season, because all four of us are bear guides up in Alaska nowadays, when we're not doing bear season, we are now offering photo workshop tour adventure thingamajigs. So is I that got how you market l- it to workshop then thingamajigs. Yeah, this is the is official why, wording. This is why I started the company with a team because right. if it was just my company, it would be yeah. on fire. Come do clicky pictures. Right. So you're not in charge of the copy per se. I'm not in charge of anything, and it's really quite nice. <laughs> um, thank you, John, Arthur, Tiffany, for doing everything. <laughs> I just show up. Um, yeah. So for, for, I got a little bit lazy with social media stuff, not lazy, but just like was starting to feel like I could, was in cruise control, you know, over mm-hmm. this last summer because I was having a lot of success with my bear guiding. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have cell signal most of the summer, which really helped a lot. And I was able to just kind of like, yeah, log on, see things are going well on social media. I haven't lost all of my following can toss up a picture or a video or a random story about just what's going on in my life and everything's fine. But since returning from Alaska and really starting to work hard on Think Wild, which is the name of our company, all of a sudden I'm having to put more brains into social media again. And I'm having a hard time with it. Also because really? I'm in, I've been in New Jersey now for two months with the well, exception New Jersey of will a, do that to you. Won't yeah. It? A quick jaunt <laughs> at Colorado for a couple of days. Um, over the course of which I got broken up with, which is why I'm back in oh, New no. Jersey. Oh, no. um, so it's just been a very uninspired couple of months, to say the least, when it comes to like personifying myself excitedly and happily on social media. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Now I feel really bad about my New Jersey comment. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. It's actually, honestly, being in Jersey right now has been really fun because this is where my whole family is. So I've gotten right. to like, spend time with family. It is really nice to have amenities. Like it's been great to shower every other day. It's been great to have like heat. Um, and not just be in like raw survival mode all the time. So it's, it's like not inspiring from a social media standpoint, but from like a life standpoint, it's been great. Cool. Yeah. Comfortable. 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 Comfortable is kind of nice, especially when you're out. Uh, Seth and I both read, uh, the comfort crisis about an Alaskan caribou hunt. It's one of my favorite books. Donnie Vincent's a, a buddy of mine. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, but, you know, you, you go for a hike in the freezing rain, even two miles, and you, you step inside to your heated house, and it's like, oh, this is nice. There's an appreciation to it. So Totally. I and I, I spend that. enough of my life, you know, out in the struggle and the suffer. This is something I talked to Arthur a lot about, actually, because um, Arthur Lefo spends half the year working up in Alaska with me. And then the other half of the year he's based in Denver, which is obviously a massive city. And we kind of just connected on like, man, it feels good after months of like extreme exposure to wilderness to like 
kick back a little bit and be comfortable and like enjoy all the little amenities that we deprive ourselves of. So it's not, I don't know, it's nice having a balance. We'll see how long this phase lasts because I'm already starting to get itchy feet. I think it's only a matter of time before I hit the road again and um, throw myself right back into the wild state of being. But for right now, this has like been an awesome place to be. Cool. Never thought I'd say that. No? That's very cool. It's a, it's an interesting sort of path, I think, social media. And it's, you can get, a, it can get away from you if, if things are good, because it is all about the highlight, highlight reel, right? Like it's fun to show when things are going really well and life happens sometimes, whether it's a breakup or you lose your job or like whatever it may be. And it kind of, it really just changes the attitude or the mood of social media. Cause it's tough. It's tough to, totally. it's tough to just like keep promoting like the highlight highlight reel if that's not reality. Right. Yeah. And it's also just like, I don't know when I'm doing things that I find um, really exciting. It's obviously easy to post about them. Cause I'm like, look, here's a bear mm-hmm. or like, look, here's a treacherous snowstorm or like a beautiful mountain range. It's a little different when I'm like spending all my time with my parents. I don't necessarily want to be like, look, here's my dad. Here's my dad again. Here's my dad a third time. It's like, it's just not as relatable and it's not as, um, I don't know, entertaining. So I've lost just a big piece of the like fire for right now to put my life out in a very visible place, if that makes sense. It's probably good. It's probably like a rebirth, like a sort of a, let's put this chapter down. And we'll start it, pick it back up at some other point. Totally. Exactly. And I mean, you know, I have to say too, um, I feel as though I've discovered something about the algorithm. It likes when you don't post as much because I've been quieter than ever on social media the last two months. And yet my engagement's the best it's ever been. So maybe this is a technique that will stick. Like, I feel like every time I post something, especially now that I'm paying a lot of attention to my metrics, just because of trying to figure out how many clicks we get per link when we're announcing trips coming up, Mm -hmm. uh, or just gauging how much interest we have in different photo workshops, I'm realizing as I'm posting these announcements, my engagement, like my story views have tripled. Um, So maybe it's something to be said for like not oversaturating people and like coming in with quality over quantity. I don't know if that's the algorithm favoring things or just you know, we live in a world where people have short attention spans, so they kind of forget about you for a little bit. And then you post and they're like, whoa, holy crap, you're back. Exciting. So I don't know. It's been an interesting little experiment. I've been fascinated by that change in engagement. Yeah. And in I, w- one of my biggest boosts in, in the social media world was when I gave myself a break. Seth, I don't know if you remember that early on. I just stopped for like two or three weeks. I erased the app. And that's when magically... Uh, I got all these features on posts and th- like, it was like begging me to come back in like, yeah. I was getting emails about it. Like, Hey, you haven't <laughs> been on Instagram in a while. And it's like, Whoa, like it was begging to come in. And I don't, I don't know if they're like, all right, let's give him a little juice. Like, let's give him a little bit. He'll get back in eventually. Um, yeah. But I, like I know Zuckerberg's desk. Yeah. Your name came across his desk a couple of times. But yeah. yeah. Man, it's left. <laughs> Man, it's not active. <laughs> <laughs> he deleted it. He actually Death deleted it. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Boost his engagement. 400%. real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now I'm back. Damn it. They got me. They got uh, you. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So what are the hats are you wearing, Brooke? 
You gave us about three out of the seven. Yeah. All right, man. It's a lot. So I am obviously, I do my own thing, right? So I've got my own little print sales that I'm always working on. It's just making sure I'm still selling my passive income, which is my fine art photography sales. So that's one thing. Um, Working on, well, actually, we just completed a pretty big project for OM System, formerly known as Olympus. Saw that. Um, yeah, a new camera was launched last Amazing week. Amazing oh, price. It feels like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong by talking about it because I've been under an NDA about this camera for quite a while. Because, you know, we filmed the commercial for it before the product launches. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like super top secret. And you have to be like, hey, I'm going to Scotland, but I can't tell you why. And now that it just went live and I'm able to talk about it every time I mention it, I feel like I'm breaking a rule. But yeah, it's a sweet little camera. Um, It's not like a big new flagship camera. It's just the upgraded and updated version of their most recent flagship, which was the OM-1, which was a great camera to begin with. And I'm shocked that they managed to make something that was already amazing, even this much better. And for the price, it's it's bonkers. Um, So that's one thing I was working quite a bit on was just wrapping up the project associated with that launch. Now, as of starting tomorrow, I've got another project that's going to be coming out and that'll be really excited to talk about more on social media once that's live. So that's been occupying a lot of my time. Um, I am obviously, like I mentioned, doing my summertime Alaska bear guide stuff. And even though we are by no means even close to bear season yet, it's been a pretty active off season because we've got some interesting conservation battles unfolding in the area where I guide. Um, we're seeing a bit of a development with a mining track that isn't too dissimilar from the dreaded pebble mine. So it's called the Johnson track. So there's been a lot of time the last few months spent organizing an eventual organization to oppose or at least monitor the developments in that mine. So that's been a lot of work. quite busy um then obviously think wild the operation that arthur and john tiffany and i started together our little guide service for workshops Mm -hmm. and photography we've been just going crazy getting our business above board so you know getting all the llc's and insurance taken care of making sure we're properly permitted to operate in all the areas where we're leading tours partnering with different lodges in different regions and now different countries so that's been Really cool and time-consuming. And then um, I am addicted to money. I don't know if you guys know that. I haven't talked about that much here. I'm like completely obsessed with money, and I just want to make all of it all the time. So I am doing just like a little basic girl work-from-home job on top of all this where I just answer customer service phone calls for the guide operation that my um, former partner works for. So we we're still on you know fine terms in that regard. So I just answer like phone calls. People call in and they're like, hey, I want to go snowmobiling on Sunday. Do you guys have availability? I'm like, hell yeah, we do, brother. Let's book you a reservation. So it's been cool. There's a lot of jobs in my life right now. I feel like there's more to, oh, working on a video project, um, like an editing course. That's being really time consuming now because I'm learning how to um, like make a video. Cool. This all then, begs the question, Brooke. I'm sorry to interrupt. I know that you could go and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. <laughs> and then. I don't have an lemonade stand on Friday. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So 
Would you consider yourself an organized person? Like, are you kind of helter skelter and you do things when you find the time or how are you sectioning days and weeks to tackle all this fun, exciting stuff? I am organized, believe it or not, chaotically organized. Um, I section times to do things geographically, actually. This is the only thing that's worked for my brain. So right now, the bedroom that I'm sitting in is my brother's condo, um, which is about an hour from my parents' home, which is where I've been staying the last couple months. And I'm here specifically in this condo because I decided that since I have this project to work with, oh, I'm system on, and then I have this editing video project, that's what Eddie, my big brother's condo is now, is my office for working on these two projects that are very uh, video oriented because this is like a wide open space with lots of lake walls, good lighting. Um, when I'm doing the phone calls for this like work from home girl job, I just work at a little desk in my parents' place. Um, when it's time to talk to Arthur, John, or Tiff about ThinkWild operations, um, I go up to my childhood bedroom and I'm like physically, you know, in a space that's surrounded with a bunch of my photography prints and like, like physical photography inventory. So I'm like looking at exciting photo subjects while planning exciting photo workshops And obviously the sense of organization that I have right now has been amazing the last two months because I have this luxury of being able to be geographically sectioned. Like when I am in this place, my tasks are these things. When I'm in this place, my tasks are these things. It's going to be a whole lot more difficult once I head back out west in a few weeks. So um, yeah, I don't know how we manage. No, that's amazing. That speaks to the... uh, a useful tactic for building good habits, which is sectioning off pieces of your home for certain tasks. For example, bed mm-hmm. is for sleep and reading. The chair that I sit in is for responding to social media messages. The breakfast bar that I sit at in the morning is for eating and talking with my partner. It's a very unique and I think effective strategy. So it's cool to hear you say that you're sectioning your tasks based on where you are in the world or locally. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It it hit me because I read this book at the start of this past fall, um, like right at the end of bear season to kind of help me like reintegrate into a life with a lot more focus other than just wake up, go look at bears, go to Mm -hmm. sleep. And the book talked about forming good habits. And one of the pieces of advice that they talked about was like, say you have a task that you need to do. Um, Don't say this afternoon, I'm going to sit down and submit these photos for this deadline. Say that this afternoon, After I take my shower, I'm going to sit down at the desk by my window and submit these five photos that are due for this specific deadline. And having those like parameters, not necessarily saying like today at 2.30 p.m. or at 3.30 p.m., but rather being like, after I complete this smaller task, I'm going to go to this spot and that's going to signal to my brain like, okay, I did the thing before. Now I'm in the location. Time to do the objective. And I found that it's been super helpful for, for me. Like the advice was given. Atomic habits. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was talking about like working yeah. out, like say I'm gonna do five push-ups after I eat my breakfast. Doesn't mm. matter what time you eat breakfast, doesn't matter what time you wake up. You just ate mm. your breakfast. Did you have pancakes? Did you have yogurt? Who cares? Time to do five push-ups. And it's right. been so helpful, the location part of that for me. Right. You're modifying the cue to to trigger a certain behavior. It's an excellent book. Right. I wish I, I just had it beside me like 10 minutes ago before we started recording. Um, I got so, that piece of advice from it and I was like, man, that's such good yeah. advice. I've done this whole book. I can't, this is too much now. I can only take one good <laughs> advice at a time. Yeah, Atomic so. Habits. Awesome book. 
Really awesome book. Yeah, it's also a phrase cool. called segment intention, which uh, I talk about where we have talked about before, where you, you step into, whether it's you're stepping into your car, you set the intention. Uh, I'm going to focus on the road. I want to drive safely. I'm not going to be distracted. I want to get to my destination. You step out of the car, you know, I'm, even the smallest little segment of time. I'm going to walk into the building with a smile on my face, like whatever it is. Um, you can do that with each individual physical room, uh, place that you're in, time period you're in. What's the intention of right now? And mm. I think that's a good way to like look at it because everything changes. I go upstairs, it's a it's a different sort of environment. I come downstairs, different environment. I go to the car, different environment. I'm in the woods, different environment. And you can kind of set your intention versus just kind of floating around and not doing anything or doing a mix of things and getting all jumbled up. So it sounds totally. similar to that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly it. I mean, you have to have good habits if you're gonna have that many projects on your plate. Um Absolutely. Were there any were there any good habits that you intentionally said I want to establish this exact habit because I want X or I want to get rid of bad habit X because it's providing this consequence? Was there any more nuanced elements to that, Brooke? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, one thing that I really had to crack down on doing. Um, so I, I know you guys relate to this. It's something that we've talked about before and and I feel like gets brought up by a lot of people in our creative industries where there's this fine line between social media being used as like a research or inspiration tool where you kind of use it to gauge what people are interested in, use it to get ideas for what you can produce, and then making excuses to just waste a whole bunch of time. So mm. I was like very late to the TikTok game. I didn't have TikTok downloaded for any significant period of time up until about, gosh, September of this year. And I downloaded it because I was like, man, I, I got to get more like in the know about TikTok. I don't necessarily have to be using it a lot, but I just want to understand because this is relevant in my industry and I don't want to date myself by any means. I just want to learn more about like, all right, who the how, what, what the hell is going on here? So I downloaded it. And of course, because it's TikTok, I became addicted. But because I'm chaotic and stubborn, I couldn't admit to myself that I was addicted just wasting time. And I would say like, no, I'm watching TikTok for an hour because I'm researching right. things. And yet I'm watching videos of like people dancing and like babies falling over. So like, how is that <laughs> relevant? That's um, important. So, so yeah, one, one thing that I had to be like really intentional about was telling myself no more time wasters. So I removed TikTok off my phone. I found myself trying to supplement that waste of time by like all of a sudden I was scrolling on Twitter a whole bunch. And then I was like, hey, wait a second. You deleted TikTok, but now you're on Twitter. So then I had to delete Twitter. Um, and yeah, so just, just I'm one of those people where like if I'm finding something that's distracting me or getting in my way, I have to like uh, completely eliminate the temptation in order to get myself in a better habit. I can't be like, okay, you can only use TikTok at this time of day or all right, girl, you can only check Twitter after dinner. You can only check Twitter on the weekend. I have to be like, goodbye, staying. It's good habits only from here on out. Well, Brooke, Seth talked about this a lot. I think last time, maybe maybe two episodes ago, the the dop dopamine rush is never enough. It's it's more, yes. more, more. And again, back to that book, um, The Comfort Crisis, something that hit me when he was talking about the reward of a fatty 
Sunday or ice cream or or in the wild finding a bunch of nuts and berries like you eat as much as you can like you you need those calories like you get them in because you don't know when you're going to find that again and I find that with my own like healthy nutrition and, and dieting practice if there is a bag of chips in the house like I will crush it like I, I, I almost, it's almost like he, like the brain is taking over. Like that is a good resource. Like get that, especially if I'm working out and I'm tired and, and like, oh, that's a high caloric, high density food. Like do it, get rid of it. Like don't even buy that stuff. Don't, there's no moderation for me. And I'm not saying that's for everyone, but like there, there is none. So you can't, you can't just like look at TikTok a little bit. It gets you. So getting rid of it, I think for people is, is sometimes the best thing and the only thing to get past that sort of, that feeling, that addiction to whatever that feeling may be. And, and uh, there's we, another- can forget, we can forget the- too that you can be wildly successful, let's say on TikTok as a creator, successful being tons of followers and brand deals and stuff and still be pathologically addicted. I think there's this notion that people who are really successful on social media kind of have their their shit together in terms of being able to walk away and stuff like that. You can be downright miserable and addicted to something that you're really good at. Yeah. 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 And to go, I love that you guys are reading Comfort Crisis because Michael Easter, you might have seen, just came out with another book, uh, Scarcity Brain, mm-hmm. where he goes way deeper into that concept of when we are in the wild, biologically, once you see a good food source, your brain goes into scarcity mode, which is like, this is the last time I might see blueberries for months. Eat all of them now. And so we have this adaptation as we move through life to continue having that scarcity brain, that feeling of like, I have this good thing in front of me. I don't know when I'm going to have it in front of me again. So I must consume as much of it as possible right now. And I'm suffering from that big time just because once I get back out West and I get to my homestead that I started this year, or I guess this past year, um, this last fall, I don't have Wi-Fi. I don't have electricity. I don't have cell signal. Um, then I move on to bear season come June and I'm in the Alaskan bush and I have some Wi-Fi and some electricity, but it's minimal and I'm spending 12 hours a day in the field. So I don't have a lot of time to sit around and look at social media. So that was a big thing with the TikTok and with Netflix and all these other social media and like time waster apps was this thought of like, well, you know, I've only got six months out of the year to be on these things, less than that actually now when you factor in the amount of time I'm at my my homestead property now. So I was like, I have to watch all the TikTok videos I can right now before I go off the grid again. But I caught myself. I, I didn't realize at first that I was being scarcity brained about that. But when it, it really dawned on me was in December, um, I went to a Toyota dealership to look at a new truck. And the guy was like, do you want to trade in your current truck? I have a 2009 Tacoma right now. It's got over 200,000 miles on it, but it's a great truck. Like it's in screaming yeah, good shape. It's been really forever. well. Yeah, it's a dream truck. It'll mm-hmm. go forever. I don't need another one. But having gone through a breakup recently and losing that person that you depend on, like when you have a vehicle problem, you're like, well, it's not that bad because my partner can just come pick me up. When you're kind of going it alone, especially when you live as remote as I do, I got that little paranoia of like, if something happens to my truck, I have no backup plan, so I have to go buy another truck. And now I need two. And it sounds like such a good plan in theory, but like then it just kind of dawned on me. All, all the words from Scarcity Brain, the book, just started playing in my mind of like, I don't actually need this truck. I'm just doing that thing of where I'm psyching myself out and saying like, well, what if someday I have less? I need to acquire 
more, more, more things right now so that on the crazy what if I have less down the line, I'm prepared for that moment. And like it starts with just watching a whole bunch of TikTok and then it could end with you buying an entire vehicle that you don't need. And I'm better off using those resources to like build my cabin or save that money so that if my car does break, I can rent a vehicle, right? Do something rational rather than just like diving into that animal instinct of like, oh no, I'm in danger. I'm threatened. Let me make crazy decisions. And like that would pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, I was going to use the exact term, pump the brakes. What's your indicator to press them? I don't know, Seth. If I knew, I wouldn't be (laughs) me. I wouldn't be chaotic, right? I don't know. My indicator is like, (laughs) if I (laughs) I start thinking about doing something, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'll start thinking about doing something. And then my brain literally says, bitch, you're being crazy. That's usually my indicator. That's That's a great answer. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah, it is. It, we'll take and it. like, listen, this, this isn't everyone. This is just psychology. Uh, female brain and male brains typically are a little bit different. And females tend to think of, and again, there's a spectrum here, but females tend to think of a thousand solutions to the one problem. Like right. all the all the solutions that are possibly able to. And men can be a little bit too linear. And sometimes... And of course, you know, again, the spectrum, but uh, in either way, there's there's a whole balance of that. Uh, so it sounds like that kind of can happen to you of this sort of circular, like, well, uh, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? How can I fix it? And then you kind of slow down and go like, all right, let me let me sort of analyze this a little bit deeper. And where do I need to go? What direction do I need to take in? Yeah, it's Whereas, like get it out of your system, like play yeah. the what if game for a little bit, but also know after a certain point, like, okay, this is, you're, you're now sounding crazy. Let's dial it back. Mm-hmm. The what if game. That's cool. Never heard that. The what if game. Yeah. I do it a little bit. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about this property you bought. That's a really cool 2023 milestone. Congratulations, Brooke. Yeah. Thank you. The story really is cool. wild. Let's hear it. We got time. I have a, yeah, here we we go. All right. I'm going to (laughs) plug scarcity brain again. Um, Yeah. So it's it's scarcity brands. It's Brooke going like, I need land. Yes. Part of it. (laughs) No, if you guys, if you end up reading that book, um, the same way that comfort crisis follows Donnie Vincent, um, scarcity brain has a chapter devoted to one of my best friends. Her name's Laura Zara. She's a really cool, individual who just lives life to like it's screaming fullest and just doesn't care what people think about her. She is wilder than the wildest animal I've ever met in my life. She spends more time in the woods than I do. Um, She's really into survival skills and wilderness skills. So she's got this ultimate knack for, I mean, the way I've heard people describe her is like Laura could live on Mars without oxygen because she's super resourceful and just very capable and innovative in finding solutions to survival questions in the wilderness. So she spends a lot of her time in this area of the Rocky Mountains um, shed hunting, looking for elk and deer antlers. And last spring, she was hiking in this area looking for elk antlers, and she saw this wooden sign. And the sign said, land for sale, talk to Doc. And then it like had an arrow pointing towards Doc's cabin. And Laura went and she knocked on the door of the cabin and she would tell the story way better than I will. But long story short, 
this man opens the door and he is like this old school trapper, like something out of a wild Western film that you just don't see anymore in this day and age. He's wearing a buckskin jacket. He's got like a old cowboy looking rifle and a cowboy hat on. And he answers the door and Laura's like, I'm interested in buying that property that you have for sale. Tell me more about it. And he's kind of like, okay, girl scout. Like, what do you mean? You're interested in buying this super remote mountain property. Like he points up at the mountainside and he's like, yeah, the land is up there. Hike on up and tell me what you think. And so Laura does. And it's still, there's still tons of snow on the ground when she does this. So she's hiking up to like six feet of snow, gets up there, looks at the land, decides she loves it, comes back down and talks to this man in the cabin. And one thing led to another and she ended up buying her plot of land up there. I went out and visited her there in May and she's living in a wall tent right now because the property has no structures, nothing. It's just bank pieces of acreage. Um, so I slept on the the porch of her wall tent and like for two nights in a row, I would stare out at the stars after the sun went down and just cry because I was like, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. And so I told Laura, like, dude, I'm, I'm obsessed with your land. This is magical. Like, this is exactly what I want someday. Then I left uh, right after I visited, I went up to Alaska. I'm halfway through bear season. Laura texts me and she's like, hey, Doc wants to sell the other parcel of land. There was an additional 12 acres available. She's like, he wants to sell it to you. Are you in? And I was like, I, I guess. But then things got kind of complicated because um, Doc is a, like I said, he's a mountain man from a different time. And he doesn't have a bank account. So I, I can do it like the traditional way of like going through a realtor or a title office or getting a loan. It was all cash. And I'm in Alaska and Doc is in the lower 48. And Doc doesn't have a cell phone. Doc doesn't have email. Doc doesn't have a mailing address. So I had to get the money to Laura, transfer it. She had to get it and then get it to Doc. And it just became this crazy thing where all of a sudden... I had my friend hand over a massive amount of cash to a man that lives in a cabin in the middle of the woods and pray that this is going to work out for me. And all summer long, I felt sick with anxiety. I was like, what have I just done? Like, this is the ultimate scam. I'm so stupid. This is insane. But I'm in Alaska. I can't do nothing about it. So I'll just pretend it doesn't exist. Got back from Alaska. It took a couple weeks for me to get up to where the property was, but I got up there. Doc was pumped to see me. We went to the courthouse, got the deed transferred and it's official. So yeah, now I have 12 cool. acres of property in an undisclosed location somewhere near Idaho and Montana up in the mountains. Uh, we got wolves, we got bears, we got mountain lions. I saw a bobcat my first day on the property and it was chasing a fox. Uh, I don't got water. I don't got electricity. I have a road, depending on what your definition of a road is. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't, no you can't you you can drive up, up there. In the <laughs> you have to take a yeah. snowmobile up in the winter. Um, and it's, it's like a, a bit of a harrowing drive up the mountain to get to where the land is, but it's freaking sweet. And my property connects to Laura's. So like everybody talks about buying land with their friend one day and building the homie commune. Well, we fucking did it. Me and her are right there next to each other in the middle of the wilderness. So, so cool. Sick. What's the long-term plan? Yeah. The long-term plan is to build a cabin. I picked out my build site this fall, got some excavation work done, have a bit more dirt work that I still have to do. And then I'm going to build a small two-bedroom dry cabin, um, solar power, electricity. I've got my full solar system up and ready to go. My RV sitting on the land right now. That's my current structure for a house there. What's nice, though, is Laura is also building a cabin. And if things go the way I'm hoping, she'll build hers first. 
So I get to learn through trial and error of her project mm. and then hopefully have an easier time with mine. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a low pressure operation for me right now because I do have my RV up there and she's perfectly comfortable to be lived in for the long term. I've been living in the thing since 2020 anyway. So I'm not in any big rush. Um, also, it's challenging because I'm very rarely there. I travel you know, seven and a half months yeah. out of the year. But it's just nice. And this is where the scarcity brain ties in again. I've been, um, I've, I've had housing fall out from underneath me a lot in this life. I've had, you know, houses that I was renting sell. I've been through other breakups before where you're living with a partner and then all of a sudden you split, you have nowhere to go. I've had huge changes in income circumstances where I've had jobs come up that required me to move really abruptly. And I've had a lot of housing insecurity. So it's really nice now to know that like, no matter what happens in this life, no matter what I go through, I always have somewhere to put my stuff. Mm -hmm. It's super cool. It's a great feeling. That probably relieves a lot of pressure. It takes off so much pressure. It's another reason why I'm really happy to be taking my time and kicking it in New Jersey right now is because I don't feel this overwhelming urge of like, God, I got to get back out there and establish myself somewhere. And like, once I leave New Jersey, I don't really know where I'm going. Like this time around, I know exactly where I'm going. Do you and find that you're performing, performing for lack of a better term, better in other areas of life and your career now that there's a massive weight off your shoulder in a sense? Totally. I think this is why I'm able to take these strides to move forward with Think Wild with Arthur and John and Tiffany. We've been talking for years, the four of us as a friend group, about starting a guide operation. And now that I finally feel like I have a place to call my home base, all of a sudden I'm just down with every travel, every expedition, every new thing that pops onto my schedule because I, I know where I'm leaving from and I know where I'm coming back to. And it takes mm-hmm. so much logistical stress off. So this is definitely, you know that book, A Room of One's Own? I do not. It's, a, it's an old-timey classic. I believe it's by Virginia Woolf. And it talks about how in order to be a writer... It's important to have like a room of your own. It doesn't necessarily mean like have like a nice office, but you have to have a space. You have to have like a home. And once you have that space and that place and that home, it frees up, takes a lot of pressure off of your mind so that you can let your writing flow. And that's how I feel. Like I feel like I finally have a room of my own. Like I have my place to put my stuff and so many worries are just off my plate and I can focus on more growths now since I'm not just trying to get a roof over my head all the time. Right. So like relieving a chronic stressor allows you to approach the other challenges of life with a lot more clarity and drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. A lot more independence too. I don't feel like I have to lean on other people as much as I have in the past, which, you know, without getting into the details of the breakup that I'm going through, I think one thing that's always been a difficulty with me in relationships is that housing insecurity. I'm often dependent on a partner for a place to lay my head. And it was a nice feeling when this relationship came to an end to not have that little voice in the back of my mind saying like, oh, but now where am I going to go? Like, I, I have somewhere to go. I'm, I'm good. Like, I can stand on my own two feet. I can focus on all the things that I need to focus on now to keep on moving forward in life and not be hung up on mm-hmm. a dependence on another person. You know, what's interesting though is that you could have easily, your brain could have easily learned that that's normal, if that makes sense. Like me bouncing yeah. around from, you know, not necessarily having my own place and having housing insecurity, as you call it, that could, your brain could have translated that to this is normal, but you still went out and made a change for 
you know, something that you really wanted for the better, which is interesting. Just wanted to note that. No question, really. But yeah, yeah no, it's a good thing. I think for a while I did think it was super normal until I started wanting to grow even more. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, crap, in order to do these things and experience this stuff, I have to tick this box and right. this box being a home base. Yeah. I mean, people can be super free spirited. And I, I would, I think I would qualify you as that. Uh, you, you're doing a lot of things. You're all over the place. It's like, where is your home base? No one knows. Um, you're very mysterious and you're flying around and there's always new things that come out of seemingly nowhere. I'm sure there's planning, but that's, that's the, that's the vision. Um, and then there's people that are super grounded and rooted and, and I've never left the state, you know, like that's, and that's fine too. But I, what's interesting in hearing you is by becoming a little bit more grounded or having roots, you're able to be more free spirited. Yeah. Which it kind of goes into what you guys talked about a couple episodes about that dopamine thing. Like happiness comes from the moments in between mm-hmm. the achievements. And I, that's something that I took me a really long time to realize on my own. I had this weird, like, frustration with why do I feel great when I'm working towards a goal and then I feel amazing when I achieve the goal but then I fall into these depressions for lack of a better word for weeks after the achievement is finally like said and done and it was that realization that I was addicted to the dopamine I was just defining happiness as that achievement moment and forgetting Mm -hmm. that like the real happiness comes from coming down off that high looking back with that sense of like accomplishment and pride in what you did and then getting excited for the next accomplishment that you want to chase. And I'm such a geographically minded person, like how I was talking about how my organization mm-hmm. comes from being in a certain place at a certain time. It's hard for me to feel able to reflect and like ground myself when I'm constantly in motion. You're basically just going from like one achievement to another. I call it survival mode. You're just like doing everything that you have to do to stay on whatever track it is that you're trying to be on. But now having place I get to take those moments to be like all right I'm done take a step back and like sit back and relax and focus on chopping enough wood or installing a wood stove or doing dirt work digging a septic well building an outhouse and like little moments in between that are actually really 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 magical right I was going to ask what those moments of reflection looked like are they turning your brain off just doing trivial tasks like cutting wood is it writing things down is it just making mental note of it is it celebrated for five minutes for a week is it does it differ it's um it's enjoying the fruits of those accomplishments for me so like okay. being on my property that I bought with my money that I got from these projects that I'm striving so hard to do a good job with um, like walking around my property and looking at every tree and being like, man, I earned the right to be here to some mm-hmm. extent. Um, looking around my RV, you know, she's ancient. She's not perfect, but I worked really hard to get that rig, to renovate the rig, to keep it well kept and to get to like just lay in my bed and cloud my RV and look around and be like, I did this. Like I mm-hmm. got all of this for myself. Nobody helped me. Well, I mean, people supported me and like cheered me on. Right. But like nobody did the projects, the work, all the things that went into making this all happen for me. So those are my moments that I'm like, damn, this is really a super happy feeling. And it's cool moments like that. Also you can, you can sit there and reflect and celebrate the, the fruits of your labor as you call it. But then you can also remind yourself 
the current thing that I want to, the, the next thing I'll be working on, I have, you know, inarguable evidence that I can achieve great things. I think that's the other important part of reflection is not just celebrating the achievement or the win, but allowing it to also remind yourself that the next milestone is very reachable because look at what you've already done. Yeah, totally. That's a really good point. Like, you know, if that, you can almost uh, phase those into phase A and phase B of that space between accomplishment and the next dopamine rush for your next accomp- your next future outcome or accomplishment, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly, that's spot on. Brooke, and I'm curious because you're, I consider you a wordsmith. Uh, I have this, I have this weird hang up with happy versus satisfied or content. And to me, what you're describing is like a, a complete satisfaction, like a really healthy meal. You know, like I feel satiated. I'm good. I earn this. It's here to stay. It's not changing. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a reel that goes viral. Like that's happy. Like, oh, cool. But then it crashes and you're like, oh, like back to, back to this, back to that. Like happy to me is a little bit fleeting and, and usually ends in a crash and it might be semantics, but I just get stuck on this word being content and content to me is just like a, a slow burn of a mini, a, a little minor happy, like a, just a feeling of I'm content. It's not screaming and jumping, but you sit and you look at the stars at night and you're like, this is freaking beautiful. Content. Yeah, you. I was listening to that uh, that episode where you described you were like, to you, happiness is a cake with icing. It's great mm-hmm. in the moment, and you're you're really happy with it, and it's delicious. But then contentment is like your broccoli and your chicken. Yeah. Um, I don't really agree. <gasps> I have a. Right. Good night. You're wrong. Good night, guys. You're not wrong. <laughs> I, you know, I get into this debate a lot. I don't know if it's a debate. I've had this discussion a lot. I don't. I think it's all it all comes down to semantics. Yeah. Cuz to me if I'm content or satisfied, it's just like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, yeah, nothing's wrong. That's it. But when I'm happy, I'm like grateful and introspective in a way that doesn't hurt. Um, I'm able to look back at the past without feeling nostalgic, but I can look back at the fa- the past and feel like stoked on what I've experienced. And then I look at the future and I don't feel like an obligation towards it of like, future looks bright. I've got to make sure I'm laying the foundation to keep it bright. It's like this level of like, holy shit, I get to be alive for another 50 years. That's insane. That's so cool. It's like happiness to me is like a feeling of feeling energized. Um, and feeling energized keeps me going. Right? Cause like that's what energy does. Mm-hmm. Content, contentment or um, like feeling satisfied is almost like a stagnant feeling for me, which eventually turns into restlessness, which eventually turns into dissatisfaction, which is like an unhappy emotion. So maybe it's part semantics and just part my chaotic brain and view of life. Yeah, that's but fine. Yeah, when, when you mentioned that in the other episode, I was like, this is so interesting. I've had this conversation a few times recently just, with folks. just make sure you cut that part out thanks <laughs> this is our show Aaron, do you, you either agree or I you get not. cut i will not I have a suggestion. disagreed with do you want to fight to the death yes <laughs> Aaron will probably no. lose 
And when I win, I will I will scream how content I am. <laughs> <laughs> that I schmurdered Brooke Little Bear without showing one ounce of happiness. <laughs> oh, I can't even argue with that. That's a good answer. <laughs> There's the sound bite for you. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk no, about. Wait, wait, uh, hold on, oh, hold on. We yeah, can't move on. on. We can't move on. Okay, no, we can't. you really I, struck a chord with him. No, no, you didn't. I, I listen. I said you were wordsmith <laughs> to start, and I hear you. I do hear you. I think personality comes into it a bit, and and your personality, your brand of whom you are. Uh, maybe you need that drive, that excitement to keep going. To me, and this is me. Uh, the level, the levelness of life allows me to keep going. I feel like I get distracted with this. I'm over the moon happy. I like to stay like, I don't know, like a hunter. I'm not getting like freaked out by the shiny and, 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 and cool and new and exciting feelings. That's going to distract me from keep moving, mm-hmm. keep moving. So I'm going to wordsmith it my own. That's how I see it. Listen, agree to disagree. We're no longer friends. I am blocking you right now. No, no. Here's how I see it. Because I have to put everything in animal terms because all I love is animals. Mm-hmm. You're like a canid. You're like in a straight line on the same mission. And every now and then you'll see like a wolf or a coyote stop and have their bout of playfulness. But overall, like their existence is a lot more like Linear, linear, consistent, straight, like, I don't know. There's more words, I like but I don't I like speak English. Um, I'm like a mustelid. I'm a freaking weasel. I'm always just like zipping and zooming around and popping up and disappearing and popping around again. And I'm going in a million directions all at once. Gotcha. That's hilarious because I was like, Seth, we're having that weasel on again. <laughs> we're little weasel. <laughs> I kid. I kid. No, uh, he did not I like say that, that for I, the record. I appreciate, I appreciate that description. Anyone that wants to call me a wolf or a big cat, um, it's not I'm, I'm game for it. Look what you've done, Brooke. He's going to milk <laughs> I that now. We're friends again. Yeah, we are. We are. Good. East Coast. Remember that time Brooke Logar said I was a wolf? <laughs> <laughs> I, I say, didn't yeah. say a wolf. I said a canid. He could be a coyote. He could be a dingo. I didn't define. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's right. But I went wolf, so. I'm gonna stick with it. All right, fair enough. All right, let's move on. I'm good. I want to talk. I want to talk a bit about uh, these trips. You and your your newly formed group. Is it fair to say newly formed? I know the idea has been in motion for a while. Um, yeah, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, well, I want to. You're selling really cool trips. I've seen them often, and this is partly. This is in part to do with my question. I guess it's more of a marketing question. How many times do you think you need to get, let's say, a trip that you're promoting in front of somebody or post it out to the world before it makes a significant impact, before people are definitely aware of it? Isn't there that rule in advertising? Roughly, I'm going to butcher it, but like people need to see something seven times before it's they really, really notice it. What's your kind of approach to that with selling expensive trips, right? Yeah, I think about that all the time. I think you're right. I, I was just researching this about a month ago. I think it is something like you need to see a product seven times before people make the purchase or desire right. to make the purchase. Or 
Another one, too, the way to um, fast track that process is to get the product in someone's hand physically. So that's why when you go to a mall, the mm-hmm. guy at the mall kiosk is like, feel these sunglasses, put them on. Because having the thing in your hand connects you to the product a little bit mm-hmm. faster than just like viewing advertisements. So, yeah, there's definitely truth to that. I would definitely say when I am paying a lot of attention to how we market these trips, um, when we're announcing something, a trip we haven't done before, like a week ago, we announced our upcoming expedition to look for snow leopards and Himalayan brown bears, something that neither Arthur nor I have ever done. Mm -hmm. We were announcing it via social media using materials that were provided from the uh, lodge that we're partnering with. So it's not our photos, it's not our videos, it's not our experience to be like, look at how cool this is going to be. But because of the repetitiveness of like posting, like I have a huge announcement. This is going to be amazing. I'll buy another slide. This is the trip of a lifetime. Every time I make an Instagram story advertising a trip, I do five slides minimum. So you're saying when, when you have a trip announcement, you'll do five stories in succession, right? Are you considering each of those slides, for lack of a better term, first impression, second impression, third impression, fourth impression, fifth impression. I was more so saying, I was more considering, let's say that as one. That's the, the person's first exposure to it. And then a couple days later, that's their second, third. And follow-up question, I guess, and these are just, I'm not expecting you to have the answer. This is just opinion. We have opinions on the show. Um, when you're selling something like a trip, let's say, or a preset or whatever, how do you not post about it too many times to the point where it almost seems not attractive, almost equating it to like a house that sits on the market for too long, right? Yeah, good question. I have two perspectives on that because it's different when we're talking about these Think Wild trips versus when I'm talking about like my print sales. Right. Because I have to be completely honest with you, man. These Think Wild trips are flying off the shelves. Like we we actually have to be kind of mindful about like not over announcing them because we're booking mm-hmm. out so fast. Mm-hmm. Um and then you get into this uncomfortable situation where you know you told four clients from your last trip that you have something really cool up and coming and then you announce it and then it sells out and those clients never had a chance to get on it. So we have like a really I, I mean I hope it always stays this way. I'm sure it always won't be the case, but as of right now we're like hotter than hot every time we drop a trip. So we have to be mindful of not over promoting it and thus Good problem decreasing chances of being able to join. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to my print sales, that's when I have to tread those waters of like, okay, yeah, at what point am I advertising? And then at what point am I just sounding like a desperate annoyance right. and it turns people off from buying? I don't know. I don't know what the balance is. It's hard. That's a tough one to navigate. I feel like it's always changing too, like depending on the time of the year. Do you think it's as, as simple as, well, oh, I feel like I'm being annoying. I've done it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's as simple as that, just based on the feedback I've gotten from people. Um, I've gotten messages from folks being like, uh, I used to love your content, but now you're just trying to sell me things, so I have to unfollow. And I'm like, well, good riddance. I don't want someone like you following me anyway. <laughs> but this is how I live. Also, it does <laughs> so you kind of think twice as to like, <laughs> shit, am I being really heavy-handed? And am I posting about this too much? And are people coming to my page because they just want to escape life and Mm-hmm. Yet here's another angle of someone trying to take away their money. So yeah, I don't I don't know how to balance all of it. I like to be most annoying around the holidays because that's when people 
could probably be in their best interest to buy something because they're gift shopping anyway. And then throughout the rest of the year, I like to kind of tone it back. And unless I'm dropping a new product or have a very specific sales goal that I'm trying to raise money for something, um, mm-hmm. then I try to keep my advertising to a minimum. It's it's tough because you got to be careful when you get a message like that, right? Used to follow you or uh, no, no longer following you because all you want is my money. It's easy to spiral and say, well, if this person's saying that, there must be maybe like a thousand people thinking that out of my however many audience, which he that person may be N of one, right? It might not be the case yeah. at all. And it can be... Right. It can be alarming to change your whole potential strategy around maybe an outlier comment, right? True. Yeah. Something just to be aware yep. of. Maybe there, maybe, maybe that's a, a representation of a larger sample size, but maybe it's not. I think yeah. we can have the tendency to assume that that message is, is a um, representation of a larger sample size, just because I think we can be as humans more negatively primed, right? Yeah, of course. And I, I think actually thinking it through, uh, any of us going onto our Instagram and having to explain to someone why we're unfollowing for such a, a minor thing, like that right there categorizes you as someone special. That's probably not the the huge, you know? Like, go ahead and unfollow. Right? Yeah. Or are they if just brutally honest? Like, and maybe, like, do they know what they're talking about or do they not? That's something I ask myself self a lot, not necessarily in a situation like this, but just with maybe people I don't know so well, uh, when they offer an opinion, it's uh, what do I feel their level of credibility is? And that's often a gut sense. Yeah, that's true. I think I overthink these things a lot too. This is one realm in social media that I worry a lot about because I'm balancing a couple different entities. Like it's one thing if my over advertising gets people to tune out from my print sales. Because then, you know, I'm really only affecting my own bottom line and I can cope with that and understand why that's happening. Mm-hmm. But then I also have the obligations to like Olympus, OM system, where if I start oversaturating my feed to where I'm always trying to gain hype for a specific product or launch or sale or event, then I'm also detracting from OM system's ability to use me as an ambassador to get the word out about things. So I'm always like, kind of strategizing in my head. I'm like, okay, this week I have an OM system product launch, so I can't advertise my own trips because I don't want to detract from their launch. And then I don't want their launch to detract from my trips. So it's like this constant mental gymnastics and balancing act that I definitely have not perfected yet. So I'm super oversensitive to people's feedback on like, if I'm being too pushy or like inauthentic in my advertising. All right. To, Wrap things up, Brooke. We like to ask this question. We want to know, and I think this is a good question for the listeners out there. I think we have a a good percent of our listeners are beginning or starting off photographers, videographers, content creators, what have you. You've been through a lot. You've seen a lot of the world. You've done a lot. You've listed off six to seven careers that you've made from your experience in photography, in guiding, in wildlife, in living in the woods. If you could go back to the younger version of yourself that's just starting off, what piece of advice would you give yourself? What pivot would you have made? What 
path would you potentially change? What things would you tell your younger self to maybe give yourself the courage to continue or do more or do less uh, as you are now speaking to younger Brooke, littler, littler bear? All right. We're going to get real here. Yes. I have been thinking about this a lot because I'm in a part of my life right now that's bringing about a lot of reflection and introspection. And I've been just looking back, you know, whenever something happens in your life, you're always like, it's the decisions that I've made in life. And it's the path that I chose to follow that brought me to where I am right now. So I've been looking mm-hmm. back a lot. And I'm, I've also, you know, like I hit a new decade this past year, like I'm in my 30s now. So I guess hitting a new decade makes you look back a lot of the past too. So yeah, I've been thinking about like, all right, if I could transport back in time to little Brooke Little Bear, what would I tell her? (laughs) There's like a big part of me. This is going to sound a little demoralizing, but there's a big part of me that would say, don't do it. Just don't freaking do it. Just finish, get your college degree, which I did do. Get your nine to five day job um, and just be normal and like find contentment. Don't always be chasing happiness. But I think that thought process just comes from the fact that I am in kind of a hard transition period right now. And so it's easy to feel demoralized and be like, I just wish everything in the world was different. So with that being said, it leads into my better piece of advice, which is don't let anything or anyone stand in your way, including your own self. Um, Don't let fear of bad things happening stand in your way. Don't let fear of rejection or failure stand in your way. Don't let imposter syndrome stand in your way. Um, If you really want to do this, if you really want to follow this path, whatever this path may be, obviously this is a photographer mindset. So I'm thinking in terms of people who want to pursue a career based around professional visual arts like photography. But I think this applies to everything in if and anything that's like you know dream chasing oriented yeah don't let anybody stand in your way don't let anything stand in your way don't let yourself stand in your way and just keep on blazing forwards 